This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. In Metro Atlanta. Atlanta. Grace, 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 community, community, community and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at our final sermon in our Advent series, and we're talking about love. Um, This will will often be entangled with so many of the things we've already talked about. Uh, But in understanding what love is and how love should be on display during the Christmas season, during this very unsettled season in Advent of 2021, we are in a place where Uh, For many of us, uh, Christmas arrangements and rearrangements that are being made are difficult. How to get together with family on Christmas Day in the midst of the pandemic is hard. How to exchange pleasantries and to share the love with those that we have close relationship with. How are we doing that? We've got a lot of things we've got to account for, depending on where we live, weather is flip-flopping. One day it's one thing, on another day it's something else. And in a couple of days, we're going to be experiencing uh, the shortest uh, day of the year, depending on how you look at it, the longest night of the year. And depending on your perspective uh, and with being indoors at home, we feel the shortness, at least I do. Outside of our homes, the earth is beginning to, to cool, or depending on where you are, it's long since cooled over. All of the more intelligent animals have hidden themselves away in burrows and dens, and their metabolism slowing down as slow can be as they hibernate through the cold, and they wait for things to, to, to lengthen, for the day to get longer, and the, 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 the environment to grow warm enough to support life again. All these changes happening, and one word to describe this currently unsettled season is the word we started with last week, liminal. To talk about a liminal season is to talk about an in-between time between boundaries, kind of like when you cross a border and uh, you're leaving one country and you're in the in-between zone at a land crossing or an airport when you have not yet cleared the entry point of the next country. You're in that transit area, that transition, and you've not yet arrived. And perhaps you miss the territory you just left behind, but you anticipate the territory you will soon arrive in. And in that between space, you spend your time doing whatever there is to do. In between, you walk, you read, you shop, you eat, you nap, you watch the news, you call somebody, you talk with strangers. Even in that in between time, right there, Life presents itself to us as we move through and onto our next destination. One of the things we can do, even in this year, if we are mobile and able to get around and ambulatory is we we can drive through some of the neighborhoods uh, that have lit their homes with all the Christmas lights. That was a tradition that I loved when I was a kid. I loved going to some of the nice neighborhoods where big houses and the lights that were all over and the displays that would be put on. And today, people have come up with incredibly ornate uh, decorations and uh, complete presentations. They have light shows that are uh, synced with music. And you can see some of the most incredible things. And it's, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful time driving in the car 
while depending on where we are, sometimes driving in a car uh, can be dangerous. It's it's something that we can do safely. And and at least uh, here, I, I've, I've, I've heard that many of the light Christmas light sales have shot up through the, the roof because it's one of the community-oriented things people are still able to do. Putting lights outside at this time uh, when as daylight shrinks to the smallest part of the year. And yet there's something uplifting about watching lights flow from house to house. There's something encouraging about seeing bushes and trees draped in red and green lights or blue and seeing candy canes marching down uh, the, 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 the street and of, from house to house. And you, you see these things, this whole collection of light that, that in some ways announced some glimmer of anticipation, some hint of effort and, and warmth and love, which is hiding just around the corner as you drive along. And when you think about that anticipation of, 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 of warmth, of effort, of love, you can also hear that same anticipation in the Song of Mary. In Mary's song, known as the Magnificat, she sang that song on the day that she entered a kind of liminal season because the news the angel brought to her, remember what he said, be not afraid, you have found favor with God. She was told she would bear a child. She was told that she would bear this this child soon, but not yet. And once she had absorbed the meaning of the angel's visitation. And once she had accepted the summons to be this Christ bringer in her generation, she did the one thing that human beings have so often done when faced with being in between one thing and the next. Mary gave voice to what it meant to her and to her people to be able to look forward toward the border crossing that was to come. She sang. She sang. She responded to this promise that this child was going to be brought forth. She responded to the very love God had shown her by singing. Now that's not, that shouldn't be a shock to us. It's Christmas time, right? During the Advent season, the uh, music is such a part of how we prepare for Christmas. So why would Mary sing a song of anticipation in the birth of her first child? Only her song wasn't about chestnuts roasting on an open fire or dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh or hoping to get two front teeth for Christmas. No, her words, her Christmas carol, the very first, which she sang after the birth announcement, but before the birth, which is very interesting, before the birth ever happened, she sings, and her song went like this. We see this in Luke chapter 1 beginning with verse 46, and Mary said or sang, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away 
empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mary was in this liminal season. There was a promise that was made. There was something that was told to her would happen. It had not yet happened. There were a lot of things that could go wrong in between that phase. And yet she's there trusting this angel, trusting God. The love that God has shown to her to bless her in this way. She responds by by recounting all the ways that God is loving. You see, every single aspect that we've talked about this Advent season is a reflection of God's love. God brings peace because he loves us. God gives us joy because he loves us. God gives us hope because he loves us. Everything is a reflection of God's love for us. And so you see what happens in most, for most of us, if not all of us, in those liminal seasons of life, you begin to dream of what might happen when this season is over. The same way that we imagine the time to come whenever this pandemic will be over. We imagine, we hope, we do a few things now, hoping that eventually this is something that will become the norm again. The imagination of what might be rises up in us. Almost like a, a very vivid dream that, that you might have uh, when, when, uh, when what is about to happen becomes real even before it's real. In our dreams, that's what happens, right? Where something just, see, you ever had a dream where it's so vivid, it feels so real? And you're just like, this is so real. I feel like I've already been through it. I heard somebody make the joke and said, uh, I, had a, I had a horrible dream that I was at work and it felt so real. So I called off because I'm not working twice. <laughs> Those things can feel so real. They feel so like this reality of a thing. And so in many ways, we're doing that. We're, we're dreaming. We, we look ahead. We're hoping for something better. We're expecting something better. So Mary's saying, And this song was truly a song for the ages. It was a song about liberation from oppression and poverty and injustice. When's the last Christmas song you ever heard where we highlight those things? And yet the first song ever written or ever sung about the birth of Jesus is one that highlights liberation from oppression, poverty, and injustice. What an entirely different MO of Christian of Christmas music than the songs we normally sing around Christmas time. Because in Mary's mind, this is what God's love has looked like. It's not just these, these uh, more ethereal, kind of generic topics that we know are true about God. God's love and his mercy and hope and all those things are really important. But she gets very specific, almost granular. This is who God is. God shows his love to us by the ways that he frees us from oppression, the way that he liberates us. And just as if you see how powerful Mary's song was of liberation, well, here's another little piece of Christmas trivia that might give you some food for thought. Did you know that singing or reading the Magnificat, as Mary's song is usually called, because mag- Magnificat means to be magnified and so, or to be enlarged. And so whenever the Magnificat has, uh, would be sung or would be read, it, it would be banned at various times throughout history. 
there are portions of the world that banned the Magnificat being sung or being read. Apparently, as it has been reported by some historians, and there's some debate over some of the specifics, but apparently the Magnificat was excluded from its traditional place in in, in, in songs being sung around Christmas uh, throughout the, the, the British East India Company in India. And years later, uh, it, has been, uh, it has been said that Gandhi requested that this song be read in all the places where the British flag was being lowered on the final day of imperial rule in India. And, and uh, very certainly in our historical record, uh, the junta in Argentina forbade the song after the mothers of the disappeared, that's the whole phrase that's there, the mothers of the disappeared displayed its words on placards in the capital plaza in Buenos Aires. These were the mothers who had organized uh, vigils because their children had been ripped away from them, had been taken away by the secret police and never heard from them again. And so they began to sing and put the words of the Magnificat on display, knowing the God that loves us promises to bring liberation. But it doesn't just end there. In the 1980s, the governments of Guatemala and El Salvador prohibited any uh, public recitation of the song. Why? This is just a Christmas song. It's Mary proclaiming her joy at the, the ways that God has promised to love his people. So why would this be something that would ever be banned? Why would this kind of love be threatening? What's so subversive about love? Because this inspired people to think that colonial or oppressive totalitarian regimes could be resisted. That's a... It's a pretty big thought to come out of one of uh, a 2,000-year-old Christmas carol, right? It's kind of something that probably should take us aback because we don't typically think about that. And then to, to that piece of trivia, all I could say is, now that, that's a Christmas carol. That's a dream. That is magnificent. That enlarges. That is a Magnificat. And truth be told, it's not like any of us when we're driving along and in our rare moments of escape from home or, or the few places we might go, we don't expect to sing a Christmas carol like that. And I would ask, why not? Why doesn't love look like that for us? I'm pushing us here because many times Christmas, we have such a truncated view of love and that's what we communicate when we are exchanging pleasantries or we're listening to songs or we're thinking things to ourselves during the Christmas season. But the first Christmas carol highlights God's love as something that frees, something that liberates, something that gives us the hope to resist things that are evil and wicked, systems that are broken, structures that need mending. At the end of the day, if we're looking, if we're driving through our neighborhood looking at Christmas lights, we we, we, we could pretty well uh, go home, come in off the road, enter our own home where we live and, and think about it. It may be uh, empty, depending on where we are. It might be empty like it has been for days or years before this one. Or it may come with a spouse or a parent or a sibling that lives with you. Maybe the one you just had a, a fight with just this morning. Or maybe it's the home you share. The home you share with uh, someone who needs your all your your undivided attention, someone 
who maybe can't care for themselves. There are those of us who have family members that need attention all around the clock. And sometimes the holiday season can be, can be difficult. Maybe there's a, 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 a child that needs uh, all of our attention during that time and we have to take care of day in and day out. Or maybe our homes come with, with bills that we have yet to pay because we've lost our job in this, this, this pandemic. Or maybe, maybe you've always been living life marginally. And this year is more marginal than even recent ones. And truthfully, we don't really expect Christmas or the love of Christmas to have the power to change or, ch or to challenge our life circumstances the way Mary did. So perhaps we need to hear Mary's Christmas song. Perhaps we need to rethink how we listen and how we read and maybe even how we embody and live out Mary's Christmas song again right now and hopefully more clearly than we ever have before. Maybe you can summon up some renewed sense of, of, of spirit and love in the midst of our own life circumstances. Then we too can magnify, enlarge, make much of God and feel enlarged ourselves with the full meaning and the full power of what the birth of Christ has meant and still means now. You realize this is what it should mean for us in our very time, in our moment right now. Every time we come to the Christmas season and every time we come to this, to Mary's praise of who God is, the love of God should be what the love of Christmas means to us. If I love God and I've been loved by God the way Mary had been loved by God, can I respond with these kinds of words of prayer, of praise? We talked about joy. My soul rejoices in God. Why? Because look at how he's looked out for those in humble conditions. He's looked with favor. He's shown compassion. He's shown mercy over and over again to those who revere, fear, love him. He's done mighty deeds. He's, what has he done? He's scattered the proud. Why? Because of their own thoughts and hearts. What is he saying? He scattered those who do not embody that love themselves. That's what love looks like to God. He's toppled mighty rulers. He's toppled governments. He's toppled structures that are broken because that is not what love looks like to God. This should be where our heart goes as well. Yes, we've got the movies. Yes, we've got the songs. Yes, we've got the desserts. Yes, we've got hugs and handshakes. But we also should have a deep, substantive love that incorporates all of this. All of this. That's what, that's what the birth of Christ should really engender in us. That's what holistic love looks like. I came across this story about a, a man who was home with his children and he was spending time uh, watching movies, binging Netflix uh, series and just getting some time to himself. And his kid, one of his, or his kids come to him and they, they basically jump up. He's reclining on the couch. He's half asleep uh, trying to watch uh, shows and the kids come into the room and the, the kids are like, dad, we have a play we want to put on for you. We have a little performance and we, we want to show it to you. Do you want to see it? And honestly, he was tired. He didn't really want to. 
He would rather just kind of binge watch his show and have his time to himself. But he knew he needed to. He wanted to be a, he wanted to be present for his kids. And I want, I want to hear them. Okay, so he sat up, right, came out of his slumber and became this one-man audience. He's got four kids, and these, these kids, uh, you know, they were four, six, eight, and ten, and they were the actors. And you've got, you've got uh, Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got Angel, and you've got uh, uh, the wise men. And they're acting out these characters. So Joseph comes in with this mop handle, and, and uh, Mary comes in with a pillowcase under her pajamas. And you've got, uh, you've got another child who's an angel flapping their arms like wings. And finally, the last child, eight years old, comes out with all the jewelry that she can muster. Just jewelry from arms, neck, everything, just jewels everywhere. Arms filled with three presents. She's like, I'm all three wise men. I bring three precious gifts. Gold, circumstance, and mud. (laughs) That's how she understood the gifts. Gold, circumstance, and mud. You heard that right. And the father, he knew enough not to try to correct or even to laugh at this, but to take it very seriously. Because I'd like to believe that on some level, the father probably had to go, this might even be more correct about the real life world that we are dealing with now into which Christmas kind of meets us. Because this time of the year, we come to this real life. We have to deal with the real world right now this Christmas with everything that has happened. If you were to describe the real world we live in, the real pain that we live in, the real suffering that people have dealt with, the real thing that we have to hold on to while Christmas comes and goes. If we're honest, it has been a mixed bag of gold, circumstance, and mud. It has. I know for me, when I'm being honest, I can see this last year. What has it been? Some gold, a whole lot of circumstances, and mud. Gold, because there's always, we, we cling to the things that are beautiful. We try. We cling to the gospel, the holistic gospel, and what is good about that, right? That's pretty much the only real goal. We've got good, some relationships and things that bring us some temporary happiness for sure. So we have some gold. We've got some things that are beautiful, that, that we see, that are shown to us through God's light, and, and we hold on to that. Things the world needs, all good things. And then we've got circumstances because we are all surrounded by circumstances that are not always in our control. They're not always things that we can change to make better for ourselves. And some of them are more terrible than any of us would ever even admit to. I don't know about you, but I've got some circumstances, some heavy circumstances. And sometimes going into the Christmas season is difficult when you're dealing with circumstances that you think you need to hide because you don't think there's any love that's going to help cover or help you carry that. We've got circumstances. We've got uh, these things that are are so uh, difficult, but not only circumstances, but we've got mud. And it's real mud because there's a lot of grimy muck laid down not just now, but throughout human history, strangely becomes the soil out of which new things begin to rise up and take root. And one of those things that arises out of human history, what we celebrate right now is this child born in poverty, born a refugee, born with a bounty on his head, 
There were some circumstances. There was some mud. And this child's going to be born in a feeding trough, a manger, a holy child who grows among us to eventually speak to human, us, human beings, about our lives and about our world. A holy one who calls us to account about how we live and how we love. Christ was sent in love to teach us what love is, to teach us how to love, and to hold us accountable for the way that we love. That's what, that's what Christmas love should bring. It's just more than just topical surface stuff. We are, we are loved so that we can love. Jesus loves us into loving. This holy one who calls us to account, holds us responsible, teaches us what the true spirit of Christmas is all year long. And this should not just be a year-long event. This should be a lifelong event. And it leads beyond his stable to his cross. That's what, that's what Christmas joy and Christmas hope and Christmas peace and Christmas love all points to. That things are broken. There's some good things. There's some gold. There's a whole lot of circumstances and there's a whole lot of mud. And it's interesting that God chose to send his son to experience all of those things because we know that he understands everything that we're carrying. He's like, all the good things, that's great, but there's not a circumstance you're in that I don't know. There's not a circumstance you're in that I don't feel. There's not a circumstance you're in that I don't care about. There's not, a, there's not a pool of mud or issues of dirt and grime that you're dealing with that I don't know and that I don't have the power to scrape away. And I don't have the power to clean up. And I don't have the power to, to remake. Christmas is a constant reminder that our God loves us individually, but he doesn't just stop at loving you and me individually. He cares about the world. He cares about the brokenness. He cares about the structures he really loves. We struggle loving like this. Loving in total, loving in fullness, loving both corporate and individual, we struggle with that. God doesn't. And Christmas reminds us that God loves us fully, even in ways we fail to love each other and fail to love him. And at that cross, when we go from the stable to the cross, at that cross, everything is given up in order to find this and to give and to deliver this new life that God brings. That's love, true love, laying down one's life for another. That's, that's love. So here this child is, God shows love to Mary. She praises him and recounts all the ways that his love is on display, gives birth to love enmeshed in flesh before us, and then love walked among us, lived perfectly, and then gives love gives his life in our place so that we can be remade to love like him. That should be what the Christmas story brings to us. It's more than just making sure that we care about those who may not have enough during this Christmas holiday. That is huge. And we need to, right? This is the time when philanthropy really steps up, right? People go to soup kitchens. People want to care. People want to go help the homeless. All that is vitally important. Please do that. But love also does part of what Mary praised God for. Love goes, not only am I moved to care for 
this person or the homeless or who, someone who's in a really difficult situation. But love moves my heart to go, and why is this the case? Because if Jesus came to not just show love and to not just care about broken people, but it clearly from Mary's song, Jesus came to deal with broken systems and broken structures and broken kingdoms, then is my heart moved to love in that way? Is my heart moved to love the way God loves us? Because that's everything that Christ gave up. That's why he gave up what he gave up on the cross. He gave this up so that in order that we would then know what that new kingdom, that new life that God promises, what that looks like, a life as Mary imagined it, when old arguments are settled and lonely people realize they're not really alone and the poor are fed and, and the homeless are sheltered and the structures are in place to ensure they have access to a better life where children are loved and protected by all of us, when tyrants fall and are called to account, when people are not wounded or uh, marginalized because of who they are or who they love or what they look like or what the color of their skin is, but when people genuinely experience real love, the, the deep desire, the deep sacrifice of oneself for the good and well-being of another. That's what Christmas should, should engender in us. A genuine concern for loving people holistically. That's the real Christmas. That's the one Mary stored up in her heart. And she waited through her liminal time to give birth to her child. She made this song while waiting for this child to come, waiting, longing, and rejoicing, and praying, and praising, and remembering what real love looks like. I just think that's amazing. This song could have just been about, I'm having a baby, I'm so thankful. This song could have been like, could, could have been about, I'm so thankful that even, I've been told that, that my baby's going to be special. I'm so glad I got a special baby coming. She could have made a song about, here are all the names I'm picking for this baby that's coming. She really could have made it about her, which is, we understand, I, I wouldn't blame anybody. You got a baby coming, that's amazing. Anybody's having a baby, I'm celebrating y'all too. But she didn't just go there. Mary, as she's waiting in this liminal space, her heart went right to the totality of how God loves us, the fullness of how God loves us. As she waited for Christmas, she longed for a full love from God. She rejoiced in a full love from God. So for us now, a few sleeps left before Christmas Day. Let me ask you, what are you storing up in your heart right now? For this Christmas time, what are you storing up? If you were to write the praises of your heart into a song, how would they look? These days will come and go, and soon, in a couple of days, we're going to hit the winter solstice. We're going to arrive at that annual benchmark of the shortest day and the longest night of the year. That winter solstice is often a signal that we're on the other side of our Advent waiting. We're on the other side of, of that. We're on the downslope toward the celebration of Christ's birth. 
Much like we're driving through the neighborhood and we're looking for the next house with light, that, that light of Jesus, that light of Christ, that Christ light is just around the next corner. And the next time, the next time folks get to see each other after that period, the next time people get to see one another, the next time we see one another, we make our border crossing into a completely new territory. One, it is said, where our eyes shall at last see the light coming into the world again, as if for the first time. So my prayer for you, for us, may this love, this light of Christmas bless your eyes and bless your heart when this day comes. And may you live into that kind of love for the year to come and the years to come until Jesus comes again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us what love is. Thank you for uh, teaching us and modeling for us how big, how expansive, how all-inclusive love, your love, truly is. Father, I pray that you would root out any of the things, the ways in which we emphasize the individual love at the expense of this greater, larger corporate love. And God, I pray that even as we are engaging with our families and however we're doing that, how we're safely engaging with this holiday season, God, if we need a new definition or for you to redefine what love looks like for us, God, I pray that we would be a people that knows that we not only are loved, I pray that we would know that we're loved and I pray that you would show us how we're loved. And many times, God, we struggle because we don't even believe that. So impress upon us the love you have for us. And then, God, impress upon us what it means to love one another, what it means to love one another individually, what it means to love one another societally. God, if we just turn on the news, we see evidence. We see evidence of a lot of people shopping and a lot of people buying things because they love and a lot of people doing things that show that they do not love. God, I pray that our acts, our actions, our words would not be incongruent with your heart. Show us your love this Christmas. Show us how you have sent us your love and how you are growing that love in us. You told us, with love and kindness have I drawn thee. So Father, I pray in the way that you have drawn us, may we be a people that draws others. Not as a form of recruitment, but as a form of genuine love and discipleship, pointing people to you pointing people to your trustworthy love. May that be what our hands and our feet are put to do. And may it be done to your glory this Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive this benediction, this final blessing, this Christmas blessing from God today. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is to the only wise God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion and power, both now, is that liminal, both now and forever. All of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Praise Him.
Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.